That's our prayer for all the moms. We give God thanks for you, and God has loved us through you. So thank you. And we'll continue to be praying for our moms today, or all mom figures, big sisters, aunties, all of those who have played that that nurturing role, all the incredible women of God that are here at Imago and we've been impacted with throughout our lives. Le damos gracias a Dios por todas las mamás que han impactado nuestras vidas. And immediately after service, there's going to be a little, a little something, a little gift for each mom on behalf of the, the kiddos, the children here at Imago. Uh, they're actually working on something right now over in uh, Children in Worship, and they'll be passing out something special. So please um, stick around till the final song, and at the end, uh, we'll be receiving some of those from uh, some of the kiddos here at the church. Now, we're going to um, continue to uh, worship God through our time in the Word of God. But before that, just a, a very special uh, gratitude and thank you to all who attended the, the new building open house last Tuesday. Um, it was a wonderful time, and it's a beautiful facility, and we're excited for all that God is going to do in this new time and in this new season. And um, that we got to celebrate that last Tuesday from uh, 6 to 7.30 over at the new location at um, The Hyde, which is on the corner of West, Min West Main Street and Mineral King Ave at 3200 West Mineral King Avenue. So actually, if we have that address, yeah, let's keep it up there so that everyone can write it down. Remember, beginning June 4th, we're going to be meeting at a new location, not here anymore, but at 3200 West Mineral King Ave. Same time, same worship time. Invite all your friends, invite all your family, and it's going to be an incredible season of us there together, and we're going to be there um, for this new season until God calls us somewhere else, but at least until the very end of 2023, we, we've, uh, we've already contracted to be there through the rest of the year. So we're excited for that and uh, grateful for all that um, have been a part of praying for that and a part of that whole journey. Um, next week, immediately after service, we're going to be having a planning meeting because we're one church together. We're one family of God together, and we all need to be part of what God is doing. So immediately after service next week, we're going to have some time to plan a bit on what our setup, what our teardown, what our teams, what our plan is going to be beginning June 4th. So we'll have some snacks available, uh, coffee, all of that. Please stick around next week. I believe it's May 21st. Immediately after service, we'll spend um, some time uh, no, uh, between 45 minutes, no more than an hour, just really planning together. Okay, what's gonna, what are, how are we going to move forward here? beginning on June 4th. Vamos a tener un nuevo edificio el 4 de junio y en la próxima semana vamos a planear esos pasos juntos. So, um, yeah, please plan to stick around next week uh, briefly after service so we can make that master uh, plan for setup, teardown, all of that. And God's got us. God is in control. And um, we ask you to continue to pray. He's brought us this far and he won't leave us now. So we're going to continue to move forward by faith. So again, June 4th, new location, 3200 West Mineral King Avenue. And next week, we're going to be having some time to plan and coordinate all of that. So we're going to continue in worship by opening up the Word of God. And today's scripture reading is from the book of Colossians, 
chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. La escritura de hoy es del libro de Colosenses, capítulo 2, versículos 8 al 10. You can follow along in your Bibles, or you can hear God's word read aloud. Colossians, chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. I'm going to read a, a short uh, passage for us in Spanish, and then the whole passage in English, but you can follow along in the language of your heart. Um, let's hear God's word, first in Spanish, then in English. Colosenses capítulo 2, versículos 8 al 10. Cuídense de que nadie los cautive con la vana y engañosa filosofía que sigue tradiciones humanas, la que está de acuerdo con los principios de este mundo y no conforme, y no conforme a Cristo. Toda la plenitud de la divina divinidad habita en forma corporal en Cristo. Y en Él, que es la cabeza de todo poder y toda autoridad, ustedes han recibido eso, esa plenitud. Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Let's hear with open ears and open hearts from the Word of God. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom, all, all, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and of knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may be deceived. So that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit. And I delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Rooted and built up in him strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness, because he is the head over every power and over every authority. Amen. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Vamos a orar. God, we thank you, because at the end of the day, everyone is really middle management, God. You are the head over every power and over every authority. Te damos gracias, Señor, porque todo poder, toda autoridad está en ti, Dios Santo, no en cualquier hombre o cualquier humano. And Lord, we thank you because you are trustworthy, you are good, you are gracious, and you are kind. And Lord, we can have hopefulness in that, in that all power and all authority is yours, not ours, God. God, we look to you, we thank you, 
and we give you praise. And Lord, we just pray that today we would be able to um, just uh, seek your wisdom, seek your way, Lord. We do pray for all the moms and mom figures here, Lord God, and aunts and big sisters and women who have played that nurturing role, Lord, in the lives of so many. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to cover them with your strength, with, with, um, with more of, of just that, that security that they can only find in you. We bless them, Lord, and we thank you for them. Thank you, God, that mothers are one way that we can experience your love and faithfulness here, Lord, on earth and in this life. And God, we also just pray for this world that so desperately needs you. We uh, continue, Lord, to keep our eyes fixed on you. But that means we're good news to the community around us, Lord. We do pray, God, for wisdom and peace at the border, Lord, over this week, where it has been, Lord, just uh, quite overwhelming. And Lord, we're not going to be a people that just... Um, easily conforms to the patterns of this world by just immediately taking aside or throwing stones at another, Lord. We're going to be Jesus' people, Lord, who taste like the fruits of the Spirit, who pray for all of those who are suffering, who care for and show up, Lord God, where it counts. God, we just pray that you would meet us today just as we are. Meet us in the questions, meet us in the in the stress, meet us in the areas where we need real comfort, God. Help us to believe, Lord, that we're here for a reason today. And God, you are the one who is moving us forward, moving us forward and making us new, restoring us, and taking it all and using it for your purposes, Lord. Te damos gracias, Señor, porque tú nos estás restaurando y usando todo por tus propósitos. We love you, Lord, and we just pray that you speak to us today by your precious, precious word. It's in your faithful name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. So here at Imago, um, we are a gospel-centered community. We're a community that functions not just by law or tradition or what we're used to, but we're a community that is centered around the gospel. That, we, that means we strive together to live a life by the Spirit and lives by the Spirit together, by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who connects us to God and connects us to each other. El Espíritu Santo nos conecta con Dios y con nuestro prójimo. We're a community that functions through grace and truth. That's what we choose to do in our relationships with God with each other, with ourselves, in community, we function through grace and truth. We talked a lot about that last week. If you missed it, go ahead and check out the, the YouTube or the podcast or on all the, the platforms for that. But that's how we function, through grace and truth. We don't function just by law or tradition or self-righteous judgment, but we strive to be a community that tastes like the Spirit and lives lives through the Spirit. Queremos vivir nuestras vidas por medio del Espíritu Santo. So here at Imago, and we say this a lot, and you see this with the servant leaders that are up here who serve and, and who love the Lord and love God's people, love us all in incredible ways. Here at Imago, we don't gain any kind of authority by just titles. Titles come and go. 
but here we gain um, that that we we gain any kind of of authority or leadership by our testimony, by our lives, our words, our actions, and our Christ-like character. And part of what we're all trying to do in 2023 is really move together in a common vision, in alignment with a common goal. And that's that together we're rebuilding towards spiritual maturity and church health as the body of Christ. That's part of the goal, even as we're going to a new location, that we're rebuilding towards spiritual maturity and church health as the body of Christ. And I ask that you be praying into that all year, that God would continue to grow us in shape, but also in size, so that we would be a blessing to many, many more in the community. And this month, we've actually been in this series that we've been calling Visible and Invisible. It's been on the book of Colossians, and it reminds us that Jesus is Lord of all, of all things that are visible and things that are invisible, of things that are seen and unseen, of those things that we project on the outside and those things that we feel on the inside. Hemos estado aprendiendo como Cristo Jesús es, es Señor de todo, visible y invisible en nuestras vidas. This letter that we've been focusing on in the book of Colossians is actually a letter that was actually uh, written from a place of deep passion and raw emotion. And there's actually a context and a backstory for the, for the letters in the New Testament and for the book of Colossians as well. So the way that the backstory, the context of it is, is really this, right? Jesus came, he died, he rose again. And then after Jesus rose again, he resurrected, there, were, there was a community that was transformed by this, the lives, words, and actions of Jesus. And this community became a movement together, of a movement of Jesus followers, which eventually came to be called Christianity. But Christianity, this movement of Jesus followers, actually began as a, a, a Jewish messianic movement meaning that the first Christians came from a Jewish cultural background in a place called Jerusalem, but yet the message of the gospel was so much bigger than just one culture or one people. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, was a message for all of humanity, for all people in all times, in all places. It's a message that would restore all things and bring unity to all things under Christ. That's what it says in the book of Ephesians. So it's a message that began with one particular uh, group and context, but continued to expand because it was so much bigger. El Evangelio es una historia de restauración. Then the gospel continues to spread beyond just that culture, beyond just that people group. And it spread beyond the early Jewish Christians who were some of the earliest Christians. So by the time Paul is writing the book of Colossians, there are just as many Gentiles, which, are, which means non-Jewish Christians, which are most of us. We've had people at Imago that do have a culturally Jewish background, but for those of us that don't, um, it's what scripture calls Gentiles, non-Jewish Christians, uh, but, but still following Jesus. Um, and, and so there are just as many uh, non-Jewish Christians as there are Jewish Christians in the very beginning. And believe it or not, this became a, a big debate in the early church when the book of Colossians was, was written. It was a big debate, which we read about throughout the New Testament. 
And believe it or not, there were debates, there were discussions, there were disagreements even amongst the earliest followers of Jesus. Why? Why disagreements? Why is it that every time that a group of people gets together, there's going to be a disagreement? Well, some of the reason for that is because we may not like different perspectives. We may not like diversity, but God does. God likes different perspectives. God loves different kinds of people coming together, worshiping the same God. People who wouldn't ordinarily be together gathered around and worshiping Jesus. God's like, yeah, that's the point. But then humans try to say, no, that's not the point. Let's, instead of making the church in God's image, let's make the church in our image. But here at Imago Church, we know that our identity is in the image of God and our purpose in the image of Christ. And I want you to know, friends, brothers, sisters, especially amongst the family of God, when there are disagreements, a disagreement can always be an opportunity to grow further apart or to grow closer together. It can be an opportunity to grow apart or to grow up together. Because here's the beautiful thing. For the family of God, for the church, we're really uncomfortable with disagreement. God isn't that uncomfortable with it. God's willing to confront it, to do something about it, to engage it. Because one thing we need to learn about unity amongst the family of God is that unity is not uniformity. Unity doesn't mean that everyone immediately looks, thinks, and acts the same, and agrees the same, and, and uh, you know, pretends the same, or whatever it is. Unity is not uniformity, and oneness is not sameness. And that's something that we're going to be learning over the years, right? We're one, but we're not all the same. We're united, but we're not all uniform. And why do you think God loves that? Because that's part of God, who God is. We worship one God, three in one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three, yet one. One, yet not the same. I remember once someone asked me, why, why is that the case? How, why, why is it that, that sometimes we can love one another yet disagree? Well, disagreement can be an opportunity to grow closer or to grow further apart. And that's the truth in our relationship with God and relationships with each other. The gospel is the good news of God, where Jesus actually enters into our mess to restore something precious that's been broken. All faith communities, to be honest, and we've been talking about this over, over the last couple of weeks, there will be moments of disagreement, of tension, of restoration, because all faith communities are really um, that. They're going to be um, filled with people like you and me. People that are broken, limited, imperfect. People that are saved by grace. That's why we're here. Because we have been saved by grace. We are imperfect people worshiping a perfect God. So guess what's going to happen sometimes? When there's imperfect people worshiping a perfect God, once in a while, there's going to be disagreements and disappointments 
But we see here in Scripture, and this, there was even that tension within the book of Colossians, that God always shows us a new way. He shows us a new way out, a new way forward, a way for a new life to come, even when we think something is done. Imperfect people worshiping a perfect God, a perfect God who's able to see that disagreement, to see that tension, and renew it, restore it, transform it into something new. And that's what God's doing with all of us. He's transforming us into a new creation, into a new humanity that reflects Jesus Christ. So as we talked about last week, that's why together we choose to be a community of truth and grace. None of us are naturally going to give grace and truth to each other. So we choose to give each other grace and truth. The debate here in the early church was that how do we live together then if we don't agree on everything? And just a little bit of the context, right, in, in the book of Colossians, it was written, um, you know, very early on after the, the death of Jesus, death and resurrection of Jesus. There was this movement of Jesus followers. And in, in Colossians, there was this tension that we, people were still holding on to, where people who came from a particular uh, cultural background, religious cultural background, Jewish Christians were still holding on to particular rules and religious practices of the ancient Jewish community that traced back all the way back to the Israelites and, and, and that we can read about in the Torah or the Old Testament or the First Testament. These were religious practices on what to eat, what not to eat, which days to observe. It was a whole list of religious laws that would explain um, uh, that, that, would, that would really explain that which was considered holy versus what was unholy. So it was a whole list of different kinds of things. And here was the tension, here was the disagreement that we read about here in Colossians that Paul is talking about here in, in chapter 2. There was one group of people, one group of Jewish Christians trying to tell Gentile Christians who were non-Jewish Christians, they were trying to tell them that they needed to follow these strict religious laws and apply them as well. So here's the point of the entire tension. Non, on the one hand, non-Jewish Christians, two divided groups, one group was trying to tell or uh, force or expect another group, um, they were trying to force them to do something. So one group was trying to force or expect another group um, to force them to view something their way or to practice a perspective in their way as well. So just think about it. That was the tension that was here in the early church. One group of people trying to impose their way on another group of people. Aren't you so glad that that doesn't happen today in 2023? Friends, brothers, sisters, when it comes down to it, most division, most disagreement, most conflict comes down to this same conflict that we're reading about in Colossians. It was a tension that was there throughout the entire New Testament, which is one group trying to force their expectations on another group. And it's the same even with personal conflict, right? All personal conflict... Any challenge you've ever had or disagreement with another person, doesn't it come down to this same thing? 
one person trying to force their expectations on another person. Or you trying to force your expectations on another person. We see here, that's what the tension was. One cultural group, the Jewish Christians, were trying to say, well, yeah, all that stuff is nice, but really you have to forget only Jesus and only Paul's teaching. You need to follow our rules and our religious customs also. Aquí la tensión era de un grupo tratando de forzar otro grupo cómo vivir y cómo seguir a Jesucristo, pero en Cristo hay libertad. Colossians here asks and clarifies the question, really, what is the gospel? And why are we even here? The gospel, and we've, we've said this before here at Imago Church, right? That's the center of who we are. We are a gospel-centered community. Everything we do comes out of that, of being a gospel-centered community. At Imago Church, we are first and foremost that, a gospel-centered community. And what exactly is the gospel? Some of you um, have heard that word before, others haven't, but... This is what it is, and you can write this down, and you can keep this on your device or whatever it may be. But whenever someone asks you or you ask yourself, what's the point of this? What is the gospel? And it should be right up on the screen, and, and you can write it down. But the gospel means that God has done something that has changed everything. El evangelio quiere decir que Dios ha hecho algo que ha cambiado todo. God has done something that has changed everything. God's restored something precious that has been broken. God himself has come to rescue us and renew us through the person and work of Jesus. Here in the book of Colossians, we see this, this story, this big story that the Bible points to. Where we, the church, God's family, we've been rescued, we've been renewed. God's doing something new. God sees different groups and he makes them into one. He sees those disagreements, those tensions, and makes them into a new creation, a new humanity. So the gospel is the living and eternal hope that we have in Jesus Christ. El evangelio es, el, es la esperanza eterna que tenemos en Cristo Jesús. And here in Colossians 2, verse 8, that's what Jesus, that's what Paul, that's what the early teachers have taught. But yet there's this tension that's there, and we read about it in verse 8. And you can open up your Bibles to it, or it should be right up on the screen too. Uh, Colossians 2, verse 8. It says this, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and over every authority. So that's the good news of God that transforms all of us. But any kind of false gospel is attempting to say that the gospel is Jesus plus one. When we try to say Jesus plus my religious rule keeping or Jesus plus my rebellious rule breaking, anything that says Jesus plus one turns the gospel into none. And that's what Paul is warning his people about here. 
That's the warning to all of us here. Don't be led astray by that. Anytime someone says it's Jesus plus one, it turns the gospel into none. And I think we have a slide on this and you can write it down and remember this. Jesus plus one turns the gospel into none. So Jesus plus one will be a false hope based on religious legalism or rebellious rule breaking. Because both legalism and rule breaking, they're really two sides of the exact same coin. And we're, we're going to be learning a little bit more about that in just a moment. But the church, you and I, God's gathered community, we're a people that have been saved and renewed by the gospel. We're not called to act just like self-righteous folks looking down on others or pretending to be something that we're not. No. Acting and projecting some kind of fake perfection, that's not who we're called to be. We're called to be a people who have been restored and renewed and saved by grace. The gospel says, no perfect people allowed. And that's part of who we are here as a community. No perfect people allowed. Come as you are. Come as God's people. Together we are a broken and a blessed community. We're flawed people who lead with scars. We have real scars. And I've gotten to see that with each one of you in different times and different seasons. We lead with scars, but hallelujah, by the grace of God, we are saved. We are saved. We are renewed. We are made new. We're not playing just a game trying to get to God, trying to act like we can get to God on our own with our own behavior or with our own sin management or trying to control a different tactics of, 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 of trying to appear a certain kind of way. No. Here at Imago Church, as God's people, we keep it real. And we keep it raw. And what does that mean? That together as a community, we confess and we repent often. We confess and we repent regularly. And I want you to remember that. That's the sign of someone who lives a life by the fruit of the Spirit. That's a sign of someone who chooses to live a life on grace and truth. A person who confesses and repents regularly. You know, uh, an old teacher, uh, Martin Luther, he did a lot of great things, said some not great things also at times. But this was one wonderful thing he once said, that that's a sign of a mature believer, someone who confesses and repents regularly. The self-righteous believer thinks they don't need God. That's actually a sign of immaturity. We embrace that on our own, we can't. On our own, we can't get to God. We can't do this life on our own. So God had to come to us in Jesus. God, the Holy Spirit, has come down to us and is proclaiming good news. We're reminded that God comes to us, right? Heaven came down. And that's the difference between the hope that we hold on to between the gospel and any other message on this earth. Any other worldview says we have to get to God. But in, in, in this message that we proclaim and we believe, God has come to us. 
Dios ha venido, ha descendido aquí para estar con nosotros. The grace of Jesus, the grace of the Holy Spirit, is that God actually longs and desires to be with us. God longs and desires to fill us with his own spirit. And the most amazing part of that, of the gift of God being with us, is that all we have to do to receive the Holy Spirit is simply ask. Ask and the door will be opened. Seek and you will find. Si quieres recibir el Espíritu Santo, solamente le necesitas, le necesitas pedirle a Dios. Ask him. Today you can ask. You can ask, Lord God, we ask, I ask that your Holy Spirit come and rain down on me. Are you trying to make a decision? Are you trying to figure something out? You don't have to do it alone. You can ask the Holy Spirit. Le puedes pedir al Espíritu Santo que te ayude. Puedes orar, Espíritu Santo, desciende sobre mí. Dame, dame misericordia y sabiduría. So, friends, brothers, sisters, Imago Church, we're on this journey together in envisioning next steps on what? This new season is going to look like rebuilding together towards spiritual maturity and church health. And in making these decisions, we're going to ask together as a community that the Holy Spirit would rain down on us, that the Holy Spirit would guide us, that it wouldn't just be our will, but God's will. We're going to pay attention to what the Spirit is doing, and we want to faithfully follow the Holy Spirit in that direction. That's part of the call in this season. We can't do it on our own. It's so much bigger than us. You know, the two greatest obstacles that can hold us back from experiencing true freedom that Jesus offers us and that living by the Spirit will offer us, the true, two greatest obstacles of that are going to be two sides of the same coin. And the first obstacle is going to be religious rule-keeping. Religious rule-keeping that leads to self-righteousness. That's the first obstacle. The second obstacle is going to be rebellious rule-breaking. Rebellious rule breaking says, whatever, I do what I want, when I want, all right, let's see how that's going to go. It will work until it doesn't. It's the same thing with both the religious self-righteousness or the rebellious rule keeping. Both of those things lead to the same place. They lead to us trying to get to God on our own and we can't do it. They're two sides of the exact same coin. They provide a temporary hope and a false sense of freedom. But Jesus, this word that we're reading us says, let us not be captive to any just human ideas or false senses of hope as it, as it says here in this scripture. It says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies which depend on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. 
In Christ you have been set free. En Cristo eh, Dios te da libertad. In Christ we have been uh, called to true freedom. And really um, this whole idea of these being two sides of the same coin, both the religious rule keeping and the rebellious rule breaking, that really came to light for me and it became clear in some conversations I had over the years. Over the years I've had many conversations with different kinds of people. That's one of my favorite parts about being a pastor, being able to hear people's journeys and how I can pray for them and uh, be of service to them as well. But there are two conversations that I can think of that, that actually show me that both of those ideas, both the rebellious rule-breaking and religious rule-keeping, they're just a, a, a temporary false hope of freedom. But God calls us into true freedom. Now, one of those uh, conversations was actually with uh, a guy named Eric that I, I knew several years ago. And Eric was actually someone who who wanted to become a pastor, who wanted to be a minister, to, to serve others. That desire was there, that heart was there. There was a, um, a couple of other things there in the background which uh, led me to have a conversation with him at one point where I just wanted to hear more about where his heart is coming from. And Eric, he had a lot of answers. He knew exactly the way that things should go and how to respond to most of, uh, um, you know, tough Bible questions or whatever it may be. There was a lot of knowledge there. But I remember Eric actually telling me how specific ministries needed to be a particular way. And uh, even Eric would use different kinds of religious language and Bible quotes to, to prove his point. But then after listening for about 15 minutes or so, you know, I, I simply said, you know what, Eric, thanks for sharing that. But I have to be honest with you. It seems to me like you have some unresolved issues. And you're actually using religious language to hide from God. You're using religious language to run away from the healing that God is trying to place in your life. You know, Eric was quiet for a moment. His eyes got, you know, first a little offended. Then leaned in a little bit more to the conversation. And after hearing him out for a while, then we got to the heart of the matter, right? Where Eric shares, well, the truth is, I was hurt once in a situation, and throughout my life, I felt like I had no control. So rule-keeping and right answers gives me a false sense of control. A false sense of freedom. Finding freedom in rule keeping or rule breaking is not true freedom. It's not life in the spirit. It's not thriving in the way God calls us to thrive. They are two sides of the same coin. You know, I've had a number of friends and yeah, this is happening all over the world, right? People um, choosing uh, to to leave their faith or to um, walk away, although they grew up in it, or, um, you know, thinking uh, they're going to uh, find something else, find something greater. And sometimes there's an issue with the form, with the, the system they were given, but 
they choose to throw the baby out with the bathwater and let go of Jesus in the process. But I remember, I've had friends like this and some that I went to college with, even some, believe it or not, that I went to seminary with to train to be a pastor, that for whatever reason, they've gone other directions. And I can think of, of one person in particular, we'll call her Barbara, a good friend, blogs, like has a really cool blog and pretty interesting, and I, I read it. And in, in the blog, uh, she tries to really push the edges, like push the edges of all Christian standards and all, 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 all those things, and, um, and kind of take things, push the envelope is the word, actually. And, you know, she is, is now really identifying as that, as a rule breaker, right? right? She was the type of person who grew up in a church, then came to a point where she chose to give all that up throughout the baby with the bathwater and decided that life was not simply going to be about doing, uh, you know, about doing life that way. Now she was going to do life her way to do what she wants when she wants. Then um, she has gone on to say in the blog that she no longer believes in God. But then that's kind of a question for me sometimes, to be honest. Um, she uh, goes on to, to say that she doesn't believe in God, but at the same time was angry at God. So I've always wondered that, and I've had many conversations with people in that, right? Why are you angry at a God that you don't believe in? What's really going on there? You know, I've, I've uh, and, and that's, that's kind of different or kind of uh, unique, right? Um, being angry at, at a, a God you don't believe in, um, that, that's, that's just something um, that, that you really have to process and think through, right? And I've spoken to similar people, and I've asked them that question, but I just shared with you. How is it that you're angry at a God that you don't believe in? Well, what do you mean? Why would you be mad at someone or something that's not real? At someone or something that doesn't matter? That would look kind of funny, wouldn't it? That would be kind of unique, kind of crazy, like talking to yourself, right? Confession time. How many self-talkers do we have here? Yep. <laughs> That's me. I'm sometimes just walking through the house, and Charlotte, you know, has been married to me now almost 12 years, and she knows this about me, that I'm just going to be talking to myself, and she'll just say, all right, who is it this time? Or sometimes I just practice my sermon out loud, and I'm just walking through the kitchen and going through some of these points, and she'll just say, you tell them, Pastor. Yeah. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> she knows how I function. Some of us are self-talkers. Now, I've had conversations with people like Barbara before, and after listening to them for a while, you know, it comes down to the same point as it did with Eric I've, I've, I've heard such folks, and if I could talk to Barbara, I would say the same thing. Barbara, thank you for sharing that, but I have to be honest with you. It seems like you have some unresolved issues, and you're using your rebellion and your rule-breaking to hide and to run away from God when God is trying to find you and give you refuge. And the truth is, for folks like Barbara, um, it usually comes down to, well, I was hurt once in a situation where I grew up in a super religious context and felt like I was being manipulated or taken advantage of or whatever it is. 
But when we get to that point, that can seem like the scary point. But that's when I get most excited because there we go. Now the healing will begin with that honesty. With that honesty with God, with self and others. So friends, brothers, sisters, whether you tend to be a religious, legalistic rule keeper or rule breaker, the, the truth is that none of those will save us. All of us tend to be one or the other. Naturally, we tend to either be rule keepers or rule breakers. Neither one of those will save us. Only the true gospel will give you the true freedom that you're looking for. And the truth will set you free. How about you? Where does God need to give you freedom? In what area of your life? Today, friends, brothers, sisters, stop hiding. Stop hiding behind the religiosity. Stop hiding behind the rebellion. But come to God. Come to God just as you are, fully human, both broken and blessed. Tell God what's really going on. And together, let's invite the Holy Spirit to be Lord of all. Let's invite Jesus to be Lord of all. Of all that is visible and invisible. Because that's the power of this good news, of this truth. The gospel helps us to uncover, to discover, and to take action toward true freedom in Christ. Freedom from just what we know and freedom for something new. So together, may we let go and may we let God do something new. May we let go of the false idols in our lives that provide us security and work only until they don't. Instead, may we surrender to true freedom through the true gospel, through the living Jesus, which reminds us that on our own, we cannot save ourselves. Nosotros solos no nos podemos salvar, solo Dios nos puede salvar. Rule keeping or rule breaking will not cut it. Only God can save us. Only God can restore us. And only God can renew us. We can't. God must. God can. And God will. He will save us. And he will make us new. Amen. Let's pray together. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that you're the one who calls us and you will be faithful. Lord, forgive us where we have just given in to the quick fix, to the rule keeping or to the rule breaking. But Lord, we know that you are doing something new. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be the one to descend over us, to come down on us. Oramos, Espíritu Santo, que descienda sobre nosotros. Lord God, we pray with all of our hearts that we would be able to let go 
and let God let you do what you need to do in us and through us and for us. Help us, Lord, to live by the Spirit and to taste like the fruits of the Spirit. Help us, Lord God, to not conform or give in to just the easy way, but guide us, Lord, to the greater way, which leads to you, which leads to newness, which leads to new creations, new beginnings, new seasons, and new chapters. That's what you're doing, Lord God. You're the God of new things, so we pray, Lord, that you would make us new and help us to faithfully follow you wherever you would take us. We love you, Lord. Te amamos, Dios Santo. Guíanos por tu Espíritu Santo. Guide us, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Lead the way. And Lord, our job will be to faithfully follow and faithfully 